Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Great, you may be seated. Thank you, Bob. Really appreciate that. I think it's such a wonderful opportunity for us to. Man, that's that's wonderful. I think one day we will uh, we get to heaven and we'll we won't know, and somebody will say, you know that. We'll make all those connections and we'll say it was because you tithe or you gave some funds that you never thought you'd ever meet. And then that one person, you know, it, all it takes is one. I think when I was in here one of the Sundays when I was with the governor, um, Pastor Mark played a video at the end, right, of Reinhard Bonnke talking about one man that uh, heard the gospel and how much impact he made. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful? I think it's beautiful. So happy Independence Day weekend, but one thing I can just say, our dependence on God should always be there, amen? We can try to live by ourselves and figure things out, you can, and then uh, eventually you'll come to the in time where you're going to be like, Lord, what do I do? So, that's right, all right, help me preach today, I'm only going to take an hour and a half. Um, by God's grace, <laughs> amen. Uh, let's open it up. John chapter 8, um, I'm going to read just real quick. Uh, well, the whole passage is going to be 1 through 11, but I'm going to just in the beginning just read um, segment. But Jesus went to the mountain of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said, Teacher, this woman is caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in law commanded for such to be stoned. Let me just bring up the rest of it. But what do you say? Okay. And um, it's amazing because this is funny how it takes two people to commit adultery, right? And then they just bring this woman by herself. Now the law... Moses, law of Moses stated that both needed to be stoned. So I was just wondering, right there, you can already tell that these guys aren't doing it right. <laughs> They're trying to set up Jesus, right? Verse 6. This they said, testing him, and that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Love it. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without a sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. It's pretty much saying, you guys, it's not enough? Let me continue. And I know you're all wondering, what was Jesus writing? But we're going to get to that a little bit later. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. wonder, beginning with the oldest. Probably have the bigger list. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, and Jesus can only say that to a woman. He can say, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, a second passage I want to bring from the start right away is John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. That's the title of my message, Full of Grace and Truth. Pastor Mark said, man, when you get filled up this morning, he's saying, you just, you get full. And, you know, what, and my question is, what are we full of today, right? Because uh, nowadays people are full of themselves. The world all revolves around us. It starts at an early age. It doesn't take much to, as soon as you become a parent, you realize that. <laughs> when you see your kids, you know, thinking that it's all about them, right? Uh, but what? We are good in our nation, I would say that's as humans, pointing out the flaws in others, but aren't good at dealing with our own selves. And um, I think by God's grace, God's going to help me to deliver this message. And I think it's so powerful because um, people can fill themselves with education. Notice that a lot of people that go to getting degrees, they go one after another and they just can't get enough and they can't figure it out. Because what are they seeking? They're seeking something, right? So, but Jesus was full of grace and truth. And this is what I want us to be filled today, with today. That This is the title of the message. And if you don't remember anything else from the message, try to remember this title. Full of grace and truth. That you are full of grace and truth. And what that means is what I'm going to talk to you about today. So, think about all the adjectives that we can ascribe to Jesus, right? Provider, protector, uh, peacemaker. And John makes it so clear over here. I like that. He says, you know, pretty much, if you had an encounter with Jesus, you had an encounter with grace and truth. Uh, there's so much tension, though, between these two words when you put them on the side, side by side, right? And let me talk a little bit about tension. I remember in college uh, with our soccer team, we had fitness trainers. They're really nice. And then, anyways, I'm already doing dumbbells, and then they would add these resistant bands. I mean, it's a uh, from the devil himself to work out. You know, I, <laughs> you already have weights, and on top of that, you're getting this tension, right? But later, you see much bigger results. Um, and people, this world is filled with tension, okay? But we're going to talk about the right tension today. Uh, people come to church uh, with their old lifestyles, and technically speaking, right, when we come into the presence of God, we should be transformed. But sadly, a lot of churches nationwide, maybe even say worldwide, people come, they just get a pat on the back, you're great as long as you're happy, but their lives are not changed. People are still struggling with addictions. People are still struggling terribly, not mending relationships. People are still living with bitter hearts and unforgiveness. And so the idea, though, when we come before God, right, is for us to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Does that make sense? So um, the same thing like somebody says, oh, I'm going to church. I'm Christian. Well, I know this is a silly phrase, and you've heard it many times, but you said, I, you may have heard, uh, being in a garage doesn't make you a car, you know, so, so is going to church, doesn't make you a Christian. Um, but that's the problem of a modern-day church, right? But we must receive the truth. One of the things is, is that when we come to church, we must face with truth, and if, pe if the truth is not being preached and that is very disappointing, and that's very sad. Because if you go into a good doctor, right? You're a good doctor. I've said that reference plenty of times. A good doctor will tell you the truth, right? It's like, hey, Vic, take it easy on the pizza. You're eating pizza every night. Or take it easy on your Doritos. Um, remember, I've talked that. <laughs> when the doctor said, hey, Vic, I don't want you to just run, jog, and just fall over out of nowhere. Because we can look good on the outside. But internally, you know, we could be very bad. So, um, but truth is medicine. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, Then you will know the truth, 
And what will the truth do? It shall set you free. Amen. Now, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many are glad that God sent his son, Jesus? Amen. Come on. He has came to set us free. And I love that. And that's what we just read. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is the greatest example of empathy of God to this world. When he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Right? John 3, 16. Everybody knows this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. Amen? So God knew that he couldn't redeem us from the distance. So he sent his son. And he, that, a son that put on that human skin and felt everything that I felt. I don't know why today, but every time I come before the communion to understand that, Jesus felt everything I felt. And he experienced a lot of the things that I've experienced. He experienced betrayal. He experienced pain, physical pain. He did it all. And that just gives me hope to understand that's the kind of God I serve that understands me. So if next time you're thinking this problem is, that's uh, not quite for God, I, I beg to differ. He understands. He loves when his children open up before him. Amen? So word becomes flesh. He became a human just like us. And... Um, and Jesus personifies the word of God because he is the word of God. Amen? Look at this, John 1.14. And again, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Again, here's the, that, those two key words. Here's the tension. How can Jesus be filled with grace and truth? One thing is not like the other, right? It's like beauty and the beast, if you think about it. On the surface, the, these two things don't go side by side. But... Grace of God, if you could consider it for a moment, right? Um, how many of you know something about, there's something about God's grace? How many have experienced God's grace? Like, that means no matter where you are, where you've been, or what kind of situation you're, God's grace, when He shows up and, and He meets you right in your difficult situation, all of a sudden you just have supernatural peace. And you're like, where is that coming from? So, and I'm thinking every time I think about grace, I mean, it, I get tears almost come to me because I'm understanding what God's grace done in my life. Um, despite of what I've done, God's grace is willing to meet me there, wherever I'm at. And so that's beautiful. His grace was lavished upon us. God is full of grace. Amen. His grace never runs out. Um, that we can boldly come before the throne of God. Today, the reason we're doing the communion and we're remembering that once a month, but I encourage you to do it even more often at home to understand what it does. We could come boldly before the throne of God because Jesus, the intercessor, right? We're our righteousness as filthy rags. <laughs> but Jesus, it's like I always have this image. He holds us in one hand and he holds God in one hand. And that righteousness, that fire that would burn us from, the, you know, from God <laughs> is stopping that current because Jesus paid the price. Amen. So, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me. I love that hymn. Grace is so powerful. His grace is limitless. And so, while you're resting in this grace, and this is so amazing, um, then you get his truth, all right? And his truth, that's his standard. Those are, and there's 10 commandments, right? Those are not 10 suggestions, by the way. <laughs> Those are 10 commandments, um, and again, we read just recently, John 14, 6, where it says he's the way, the truth, and the life. So his holiness, uh, 
that is so perfect and flawless. And on our, my very best day, it's not even, it's like a filthy rag, all right? And that's how I approach, and I'm understanding, the older I get, the more I understand that I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have so much things to work on. And then you understand, and God's grace comes, and you're like, man, this is amazing. So how do you work with grace and truth at the same time, right? Yes. Um, here comes the truth, okay, because we just talked about grace. Yes, the truth will set you free, as the scripture says, right? But generally, it will set you off first. Like if somebody tells you the truth, then you know how you're going to react, right? So um, earlier in my teens, I remember my brother was like, Vic, you're so reactive. You know, you need to work on your reaction. And of course, how do you think I took it? Like, what are you talking about? Like I reacted instantly. <laughs> I have reaction problem? I have reaction? You, sir. That's, what, that's how it was usually. Um, yeah. Any of you attempted to tell the truth to your loved one's spouse? How, how did that go, right? They probably said, oh, thank you so much. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't consider that. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, dear. I didn't realize that I'm eating late. And <laughs> so, um, but most people, I would say, generally have a hard time receiving the truth. It's just like when the boss needs to face, I know quite a few bosses here, um, when you have to tell the truth, it's hard. It's, it's never like, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear it, right? Truth is the pill that everyone wants to hand out, but nobody wants to take. That's the best way to explain it, uh, because truth hurts. So we got this tension of grace and truth. Um, and generally, we lean, I noticed that we lean towards either or, either to be more gracious or to be more truthful. Uh, there's people that say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm truth. I, I speak truth. And then there's other people that are like, oh, it's all about God's grace. Um, it's okay. You know truth, people, who you are out there, right? God's grace all over the place. It's okay as long as you're having fun. Don't worry. Why can't we all just hug it out? Um, and I love it. I want to point out, grace people, and I'm, I, I would say I was more before very gracious, a lot more gracious than truthful. Um, grace, uh, people that are full of grace, they're, they're quick to forgive, quick to love, always have a good smile on their face you know, probably talking longer than they should. And, but like, that's just their attitude. They're bubbly and they're just like, we, we can all figure it out. But the problem with grace people is that in the effort um, to show grace, we lower the standard of truth. Think about that. It's very important. Um, and you, you know who you truth people are out there, right? They tell you like it is. Unafraid of anybody. They don't hold back. Um, Truth people are the kind of people that will never like your post on Facebook or Instagram. But when you post something, they'll have, all have something to say. Like all of a sudden, they're like, let me tell you something, right? Um, but the, tr the problem with truth people is that while they're so busy pointing fingers, one day they will need that grace that they refuse to give to others. Very important. So uh, the tension of life is how do you balance grace and truth? Grace without truth ceases to be grace. And truth without grace crushes people and ceases to be truth. Uh, very important. So I'd like to say it like this. Grace without truth is meaningless, and truth without grace is mean. <laughs> All right? So now, now, but here's the, here's the formula, and you want you to walk out with here. Grace plus truth equals medicine. You can just write that down, okay? That is the formula of every believer. And and Jesus embodies both of that. He's a total representation of both. 
It kind of like from a man's perspective, you guys know what JB Weld is? It's these two liquids, they sell them together, blue and red. But in order for it to be effective, it has to be together, right? You mix it in together, and next thing you know, it's like it can withstand any temperature. So it's very important to understand that grace and truth needs to come together, all right? Thank you. Thank you, Mark. So showing grace when you need to, speaking truth when you have to. And very important to point out, not 50% truth and 50% grace. 100% truth, 100% grace. Amen? Amen. So the whole gospel flies on the wings of grace and truth. We look at it. Jesus was continuously, everything he did, if you follow through all the stories, he wasn't, I mean, yes, there's times where he said it like it is and he needed to, knock some stuff down in the temple because they turned the temple into the place where they started selling stuff. And he's like, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. But at the same time, wherever he goes, he's not afraid of any situation and he always personifies grace and truth because it's very important that he also gives the truth because that's what sets people free, right? When he said that sin no more, that was, her, that was him pointing out the truth and saying, hey, I forgive you, but sin no more, all right? And to me, grace and truth is like a strings of a violin or a guitar. If it's too loose, it sounds ugly. If it's too tight, it can pop, okay? So if you have another, there's another example of an image for you to understand grace and truth, okay? So, but if you get this perfect tension, when you tune it just right, it sounds wonderful. Amen? So, and right now, with all this tension, Pastor Mark, I'm glad he brought it up about, you know, anytime when it comes closer to a political season. And those are great. Those are very important that we participate. But people get tense. People are scared to talk. People just turn weird. Uh, they're like, oh, you, you voting? Uh, yeah. Okay. And you'll notice that. So, the world is looking for people that are believers that are full of grace and truth. Total embodiment was Jesus, but we can be like Jesus. Amen? Yeah. But this is what the teachers of the law couldn't understand. Um, how could this rabbi, who was supposed to uphold the truth, right, kept hanging out with shady, messed up people? And by the way, Jesus had a reputation of hanging out with shady, messed up people. Um, if, you, if you got issues, you're in a great company uh, you're <laughs> to be connected to the connected to the heavens, right? Connected to God. Because Jesus, for some reason, was always um, around these people. And these people that were heard, they were drawn to him. Pharisees just could not understand that. And my point is, if the church is not attracting broken people and things like that, then we should be concerned. And I believe one time God kind of gave me this image. He said, church is like a barnyard. And I was like, that's weird. That, doesn't, that can't be from God. And then Jesus showed me an image of uh, where he was born. Like, you know, he was born in a place where it, was, it stank. There were animals there, and it was filthy because Jesus came for the brokenhearted, right? And it also says in the Bible that not the healthy ones that need a doctor, right, but the sick ones. So, and when I understood that, I was like, Lord, help us be that church that is always preaching the truth, that are not holding back, and they're excited that with water that was a mic drop but i don't want to drop this that's too expensive <laughs> so in john chapter 8 right we read this in the beginning and please stay focused me we will go just a tad bit over 12 but it's gonna be very important that you hear this john um chapter 8 we read this 1 through 11 right so jesus is sitting in a temple teaching 
And out of nowhere, these Pharisees just burst in. You know, these people, Pharisees, whenever they show movies of them, I love how their faces are described. They, they're like, <laughs> they look like they had a bad whiff of something, just always bad smell. So they walk in, in the middle of a temple, right? And just imagine, just burst through the door. And they're like, Jesus, stop the sermon, right? Um, look at it. I mean, again, John chapter 8, uh, verse 4 through 5, if you're looking. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? And I'm thinking, can you imagine just out of nowhere, somebody just busts through the door here and says, Victor, stop the sermon. Caught this woman in the very act. What do you have to say? I'll most likely would just say, oh, you're looking for Pastor Mark. <laughs> Me and him get messed, messed up all the time, people. Pastor Mark, Pastor Victor, the same. Uh, but you can imagine the gasp, people's reaction in that room, right? Just what could happen. Um, surely she wanted to meet Jesus, but not like that. And out of all the people that just, oh, you know, did that in the temple, there was one man who didn't gasp. That man was Jesus. Come on. He was not shocked at all. And guess what? This whole thing was a setup, not by them, by God. I don't know why I read that always, but I, like, I realized that that was God setting this whole situation up. Because I love that Romans 8, 28, right? All things work together good that those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's a good place to insert that Jesus is not shocked by your sin. He is not shocked by your wrong, uh, what you've done before. Um, he's not intimidated. He can handle it. He can handle it. Because he came to defeat sin, death, right? And he came to set you free. So here, Pharisees burst in, burst in, and they thought they could pull off a TMZ moment on Jesus, you know, like, to get a reaction, like, you know, get the camera in the face. Um, and humans um, get shocked by these things. We do. We're like, oh, oh, did you hear that? Somebody did this. Yeah. It's just... Let's admit it. It's just fun to hear rumors, right? Now imagine it was not as fun if you know that somebody's talking about you. Then you wish you can be there and just walk in and tell them how it is. Um, but it's funny because we look at sin in different categories of flavors. It's easier to look at somebody else's sin or um, look at somebody else that is not struggling with the same sin like, like you, right? You understand that? So we, um, we kind of compare big sin versus little sin. But Jesus sees sin as sin, Okay. Um, the great qualifier, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, Pharisees keep pushing it. And look at verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? So again, their goal was to trap Jesus. And this was brilliant by Pharisees. I got to give it to them. They were actually 100% right. Moses' law was clear. Punishment of adultery was to be stoned. But I did mention that they forgot the aspect that both need to be there. Because um, it takes two, obviously, to do an adultery act. Um, they knew the word down to the letter. I mean, they had first five books memorized. And, but isn't that amazing that you can be right 100% and be wrong at the same time? Yes. So <laughs> um, Noah's kids, they did that together. I mean, the father was drunk. I mean, he had a bad time, you know, and they decided to expose him. You know, they were right, but they were wrong for what they did. So you can know the letter of the law, but not know the spirit of the law. You can know the word of God, but not know the author. 
And people are good nowadays, you know, they can quote scripture and all that stuff. But if you don't understand that the scripture is always full of grace and truth, you're missing the point. And it looks like these folks, they forgot the author. So it's a perfect tra trap, right? Um, if Jesus stands up and says, hold up, do not stone this woman. He's now trampling on the law of Moses, right? What a setup. Um, and they already downloaded his earlier podcast, you know, where he said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, right? So they obviously are, uh, are aware. And so here, and then Jesus, if he says, you're right, get a big rock and knock her out. You know, like, think about that, right? And all of a sudden, this Savior who's full of grace and mercy, compassion, now says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and get stoned to death. No. Correct. Do you see what I mean? So Jesus is against this. Jesus is facing attention. Do I uphold the law? Trample on the woman. Do I protect the woman? Trample on the law. Very difficult situation. I mean, like, ever been in that situation where you don't know what to do? I mean... Jesus has given this perfect example. And imagine at the point of their excitement, like, we finally got Jesus. What is he going to do? And I'm thinking, I don't want to be in that situation. I'm just an ordinary man. <laughs> I'd call Pastor Mark for help. Um, but Jesus wasn't an ordinary man. <sighs> this is just, he was God in flesh, right? As we read earlier, he's Alpha and Omega. He's got all the power. He's got all the wisdom. There's no situation that's too weak for him. And so, amen. Thank you. So, I'm thinking like, Lord, why am I stressing a lot of times? There's so many situations where I've been, I'm like, oh. And, I'm, and then I read this, I'm like, the most tense situation is no situation for Jesus. He just, he's there. So what happens is when you're walking with Jesus, you get that wisdom as well. And that's why you don't turn to your knowledge. You're like, Holy Spirit, help me. And that's why it's so important that we walk with the Holy Spirit, Right? He gives us the ability to see past the situations that you're like, I don't know what to do right now. So you're just like, Holy Spirit, come on. And all of a sudden, you just get this clarity. And God blesses you, amen? So thank God that all things work together for good that I love the Lord, amen? So um, I love, I just love thanking God lately for his infinite wisdom and power. That I, I, I go back into a situation where I'm like, I don't know how I figured that out. And then later I'm like, That was beyond my ears. I'm like, that was Holy Spirit. That was God helping me through that. <laughs> so, and I thought, this is my interesting thoughts sometimes. You know when sometimes you lay down and you get these interesting thoughts? But ever realized that God never thought of anything he hadn't already thought of? <laughs> <laughs> like, has no, nothing has ever occurred to God. Yeah. Like, God wouldn't say like, you know, what just occurred to me? God already knows that. Like, I don't know why I never thought about that, but it just, just fascinated me that God already knows everything, right? So that means you can trust him with anything. That's my point I'm trying to make, all right? So here's the religious folk. They demand an answer from Jesus. Like, Jesus, what do you got to say? We got you locked in. We got you cornered. And Jesus looking down on a woman who's full of shame, right? I can imagine already, like, she got her hands covered over her head because They saw it before. It happened regularly, right? She's about to get stoned to death. And Jesus, what does he do? His immediate response, he gets down on her level. He begins drawing something, right? Somebody says he's doodling, and you're like, what? In the most intense situation, right? Look at this. John 8, 6. 
This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. <laughs> he just totally ignores them. No situation is too tough for God, right? So he's not shaken by anything. He didn't react. And by the way, cue from Jesus. Um, don't be too quick to react to your critics. Free bonus for you guys, right, for all of us. Sometimes the best thing to do when your enemy comes at you or somebody tries to, you know, throw drama or, uh, or chaos your way, turn your back and get on your knees. Look at this. Jesus personifies and shows that example, right? <laughs> and remind yourself, God is the author and finisher of your faith. Amen? So quit being so quick to give a uh, reaction to the enemy. You should give a response, not a reaction. I want to point that out again. Um, the enemy wants us to react or to react. You get it, right? When you're reacting, all the drama, um, anything that has happened. So don't be a reactor, be a responder. Reaction is something that you do quick. It's like a knee jerker, right? Uh, response tends to be slower, uh, but it's well thought out answer. And Bible actually gives us an example. I love this. In James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters... Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to become angry. Man, I am so thankful for that word. I'm so thankful when I stood and held my five seconds of silence. And man, otherwise I would have been embarrassed. So that's just a good life tip to just give it a second, you know, and then in 10 seconds, think about it. If you want to say it, say it then. I bet like 70% of the time you'll probably like, you know what? I'm just going to wait. Or... The situation will naturally will roll out, and you don't have to feel bad. So notice how, um, again, to continue on reaction versus response. Um, emergency personnel is called emergency response team. They're not called emergency reaction team, right? So can you imagine calling 911 saying, help, uh, my daughter just cut herself, bleeding profusely. What do I do? Please, please help. And imagine on the other side, they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, no, I cannot believe that just happened. Just imagine like the 911 response team, you know, they're just flipping out with you, right? No. <laughs> like you tell me, I called you. So don't give a reaction. You got to give a response. And an enemy is good at just wants to ha have you impulsively make the decision, do your reaction, tell them like it is. Somebody cuts you off on the, uh, when you're driving and you're just like, yeah, and you flip them back off and then you're like, oh, felt good for a second. And then you, and then you wait 10 seconds, 15, 20 seconds, and then you understand something sets in, right? And you're thinking, wow, that was a reaction. Why didn't I just wait? By the way, a great life tip, and I said that plenty of times before, wave at people that flip you off. It absolutely, it's like doing good thing in return of somebody slaps you, you just like, you know, wave at them. So Jesus gets down on the ground, starts writing. People are asking, like, what was Jesus writing, right? What was he doodling and things like that? And some scholars top a few things. Some say he wrote, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Other people say that he started writing commandments. Makes sense as well. Some people said that Jeremiah 17, 13, those who forsake you are written in the dust. Maybe. Uh, many believe that he wrote names of people, you know, that were in the crowd. And right next to them, he'd write their sin. You know, I, that makes sense. And a lot of people tend to believe that because why would they be start walking off, right? Leaving. Imagine just like, you know, somebody writes like, Jeremy, you know, Bethlehem High, Mary Beth. That's it. And the person like, walks away. So 
after seeing their name, they began to quickly retract. Then he raised himself up and he gave a response, right? So uh, verse 7 and 8. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without a sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. But then verse 8 says, and again he stooped down. So he was like, oh, you guys didn't see enough? You want me to go into detail? <laughs> you know, that's why people quickly started just dispersing. I love this scene. It's so beautiful. Um, honestly, I don't know what Jesus wrote. And I, honestly, I do not care. Um, I don't want to be so busy trying to figure out what Jesus wrote to miss how he was responding. And that is a very pivotal moment in this story. So the law wanted to destroy this woman, Right? And Jesus' immediate response was, he got on the ground. He was only one, uh, only one over there who had the right to throw that stone, and he didn't. He got on the ground to her level to meet her where she's at. And I love that about God. He meets us in our troubles, not because we got to figure it out. Some people are questioning, like, when am I going to start going to church? Like, oh, well, you know, when I get my life together. <laughs> Will you? <laughs> Now, you will never get your life together unless the Holy Spirit comes into your life, unless you experience the power and the full grace of God. Amen? So this is what this gospel is all about. Okay, I'm wrapping it up. This woman represents our humanity, you and me. And if the law, and I thought, if the law had its way with me, I would not be standing here before you. I know there's so many times where I was like, man, I know I should have died in that car accident. I should have been in that position, but I didn't. And... But God sees us. He sees us in every situation. Amen. Um, Jesus came down to this earth. He humbled himself. Right. I told you where he was born. It just tells you that he is not absolutely astounded or shocked by your past. He can handle it. I just don't want us to be a church that's continuing. We're living here, but we're continuing to live in sin. God wants to set all of us free. He came to set the captives free. And while we're in church, we, get, we should be hearing the truth. It's very important that we hear truth. But that always comes with grace. Amen? And this is where we find it. In God's family. So, he placed our feet on solid ground. And I'm thankful for that. Look at this. Last verse. John 8, 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. You know, sometimes you feel like you're alone. It's the time where it's Jesus right next to you. You're just not realizing yet. Next time you hit a dead end and you're thinking, like, I'm by myself right now. Jesus is there. And I love that. I love that. Jesus is like, I don't know whether he picked up a rock or he didn't, just for that more emphasis or not. But he, he didn't throw it. He didn't throw it, obviously, right? The man that could have didn't. I love that. And that is grace and truth is our medicine. Let's stand to our feet.